Hello everyone and welcome to the CircuitPython weekly meeting for December 1st, 2020. It's the time of the week and the last time of the year that we're going to get together to talk about all things CircuitPython. I'm Jeff Hepler and I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python designed to run on tiny computers called microcontrollers. Development of CircuitPython is primarily sponsored by Adafruit, so, so support them and us by purchasing hardware from Adafruit.com. This meeting is hosted on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join anytime by going to adafru.it slash discord. We hold the meeting in the CircuitPython text channel and the CircuitPython voice channel. This meeting typically happens on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time, but the date occasionally varies for U.S. holidays. There's an online calendar. Uh, if you'd like to speak during the meetings, let us know and we will add you to the CircuitPythonista's role. This will get you a small number of notifications from Discord throughout the week, mostly reminders about the meeting. The length of the meeting varies, but it's often from 60 to 90 minutes long. I'm recording this meeting, and I'll post it afterwards to YouTube and various podcast services. That includes the audio in the CircuitPython voice chat and the text of the text chat. Uh, so just be aware that this is all for posterity. Uh, anyway, and if it is not in your favorite podcast service, let us know. This meeting is accompanied by a notes document. If you don't have the link, uh, just hit the pin and uh, you'll be able to scroll to it. Or if you're listening after the fact, it will be in the notes accompanying this video or podcast. Uh, if you wish to participate, uh, but don't have a mic, or just prefer not to have your voice recorded for any reason, add your updates to the notes doc and I will read them off. If you can't attend at all, you can also leave your notes in advance and we'll read them for you. The document is updated with time codes so that when you're watching after the fact, you can skip to what you're interested in. This meeting is held in five parts. First, community news with links to CircuitPython projects and a preview of the Python on Hardware newsletter. Go subscribe to it now. Second, the state of CircuitPython libraries and Blinka. We'll look at the numbers that summarize the health of the project and get a high-level summary of recent development and future direction. Third, and the first of two round-robin sections, is Hug Reports. In Hug Reports, we invite you to highlight positive contributions from the awesome folks around us. In the round-robin section, we'll start with the moderator, that's me, and continue in alphabetical fashion until everyone has had a chance to speak. If you plan to speak, uh, just at a minimum drop your name in the notes document in alphabetical order. Otherwise, we'll assume you're just listening in and pass over you. Fourth is status updates. Uh, during status updates, we invite community members to take a few minutes to tell us about their CircuitPython-related work, progress, and plans. Uh, this is a time for quick advice, but longer discussions should be taken to the last section called In the Weeds. For topics that are more open-ended, here's where we can discuss them. If you have something else you'd like to discuss, please add it to the end of the In the Weeds section of the notes document as soon as you think of it, and tag it with your name so we'll know who's starting the discussion. We'll cover topics in the weeds in the order they were added to the document. Um, let's see, I covered that uh, to participate in the round robin sections, you need to be a member of the CircuitPythonista's role, and that we need to have uh, your notes or at least a placeholder in the notes document. Uh, I'll assume that anybody who hasn't at least added their name is just listening in. With that, let's continue to the last community news of the year. Although I believe there is a um, newsletter next week, we just won't be covering the content here in the weekly meeting. So first up, uh, I know a number of people have been commenting on this project. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's called Zoom Out, 
a pull switch that lets you get out of video calls quick. It uses an Adafruit Feather NRF52840 Express running CircuitPython, and there is a link to Twitter and to GitHub. Um, so yeah, that's by Lane Winfield, I guess. Next, you can control your TV using the Force. Build a gesture-controlled remote with an Adafruit Feather M4 Express and CircuitPython. And that one is from Wormy. Thank you. Um, there is an update of the OpenBook project, which is the ESP32-S2 OpenBook, and we've got a Twitter link for that one. And finally, uh, no, next to last, um, I love timekeeping, so when I saw the analog panel clock meter using CircuitPython and the new Feather S2 by Unexpected Maker, I had to uh, slip it into the community news. It syncs with the World Time API on boot and every 12 hours. Look at that analog goodness. And finally, I don't know whether this board is running CircuitPython yet or not, but it looks like a candidate, the Reclaimer Labs STM32WB Featherboard with Bluetooth. And uh, there's a link to Reclaimer Labs in the chat. The CircuitPython Weekly Newsletter is a community-run newsletter emailed every Tuesday. The complete archives are on adafruitdaily.com. And uh, the goal is to highlight the latest Python on hardware-related news from around the web, including CircuitPython, Python, and MicroPython. To contribute your own news or project, edit next week's draft on GitHub and submit a pull request with the changes. You can also tag at engine at, you can also tag at engine, you can also tag at an engineer on Twitter. Anne's not here with us today to listen to me mangle her Twitter handle. Uh, or email anneb at adafruit.com. And the newsletter is one of these things that we can't do without our community and the great projects that you do. So keep them coming, please, and thank you. Next, the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. This is fundamentally a statistical overview of the health of the project. Um, so I will start with the numbers overall, and then as Scott is not here, I will do the core, and I will pass it off to Katni and Melissa for the libraries and Blinka. So overall, in the last week or so, we had 21 pull requests merged from 12 authors. And uh, some names that are less familiar to me or who are new are Matty Geronimo, Wizard Tim, Order Through Chaos, Stack Arduino, A Lustig 3. Uh, so thanks to those new contributors. We're always happy to see you add stuff to CircuitPython and the libraries, whether uh, that's going to be a lasting uh, interaction that we have or whether it's just fixing that one itch that you needed to scratch, um, it all comes together to make things great. We also had nine reviewers, which is a big number for us. Um, so thank you to some of the newer ones, Foamy Guy, Gambler21, and of course, all of the regulars on the list. Uh, issues wise, we had 25 issues closed by 11 people and 17 opened by 14 people. So uh, what we're seeing there is uh, a good number of people involved in the community, and we are seeing that uh, this week we closed more issues than we opened. So it's good to see that number go in the right way. Moving on to the core, we had uh, only three pull requests merged from two authors. So thanks again to Stack Arduino and three reviewers. We have 19 open pull requests, which are open anywhere from 0 to 140. 25 days. Some of those older pull requests it would be good to look at and make a final judgment about, although we say that every time. Um, 
Our number of issues is five closed by three people and eight open by six people, so uh, we weren't contributing to that um, good outcome of more issues closed than open. And at this point, we have 358 open issues. Um, the issues that are going to receive attention most immediately are under some of the six, the version six active milestones. So we have uh, six open bugs that would uh, merit a minor 6.0x release, and six open issues that we need to fix before we release 6.1.0, and that is where our attention is going to be. Uh, we've also got six issues not assigned a milestone, so it would be a good idea if you have access on uh, GitHub um, and feel that that's something that you can do to take a look at those and assign them a milestone, and particularly decide whether they need to be resolved before we release 6.1. Um, overall, we are continuing with progress in the core, although it's not uh, the, the strongest activity seems to be going on in the libraries. We know what we want to do before releasing 6.1, and we just need to work to get there. And of course, over the next couple of weeks, I think the pace is going to be slower because um, I'm going to be taking off some time to recharge, and we encourage everybody to take time. And um, yeah, the, the end of the year is a good time for recharge and reflection and planning. And uh, Scott's not here to remind us, but um, he is going to be sending out a call for CircuitPython in 2021 plans. So if you want to blog or tweet about where you see CircuitPython going, what uh, projects you envision that need something in the core or the libraries to enable, uh, just keep that in mind and look for that call um, for the posts. And with that, I will hand things to Ketney to tell us about the libraries. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. So this is uh, information that covers all of the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries, plus a few extras. So that's everything Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore. Um, so we had 18 pull requests merged by 11 authors and nine reviewers. And of those merged pull requests, we had one that was 116 days old uh, and a bunch that were zero or one days old, leaving us with 37 open pull requests. We had 20 issues closed by 10 people and six open by six people. So we are net down uh, with 246 open issues, eight of which are good first issues. If you are interested in any of this information or you're interested in contributing to CircuitPython um, on the Python side, uh, check out circuitpython.org contributing. You'll find a list of open pull requests, a list of open uh, issues, and a list of library infrastructure issues, as well as um, a link to uh, translating CircuitPython itself. Um, so the first three I mentioned, uh, you can search the issues by label. If you are new, good first issues are a great place to start. If you are looking for something a little more complicated, bug or enhancement is an excellent um, couple of things to search for. And... Um, it's, uh, it's a great place to start. If you're new to Git and GitHub, we have a guide on contributing to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub. And um, we are always around on uh, Discord to answer questions. Or you can tag us on the GitHub issue as well, and we can help you through there. Um, we had a number of updated libraries this week, but no new libraries. Um, that list is available in the notes uh, if you are interested. And overall, we're seeing a lot of activity on the libraries, which is excellent. Um, 
in the the major refactor of the magtag library um, to include some basic stuff is uh, is done other than bug fixes as far as I know. And so now we're moving on to um, uh, refactoring some of the other huge all-in-one libraries uh, so they're not quite so unwieldy. Um, and there's still a lot of activity on our oldest running 714-day-old um, uh, pull request, which is excellent. It's getting closer to being done, um, and I'm really looking forward to that, and I really appreciate the folks that are still putting effort into that. Um, I know that it's been a long time, so thank you to both S-Lite and Foamy Guy uh, for all their work there. And uh, that's all I have for the libraries. It's also nice to see one of those 100-plus-day um pull requests be merged this week. That's uh, getting that off the books, too. All right. Um, next, we are going to pass things to Melissa to tell us about the Malika statistics. Hello. Let me just pull up the right window here. Ah, here we go. Um, so Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers, as well as MicroPython. And this week we had zero pull requests merged. There are currently six open pull requests um, between the various libraries. And, okay, hold on. Google just decided it'd be a great time to sign me out. Um, there were zero closed issues by zero people and three open by three people which leaves 51 open issues. The number of PyPI downloads in the last week was 1,639, and the total number of supported boards is 60. Hope uh, you didn't mind me stealing that, that from up. you there, Melissa. No, it's fine. It just, it, it was like signed out, like right in the middle of I'm reading it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Google. <laughs> All right, with that, we'll move on to Hug Reports. Um, this is the time where we get to thank the people around us for doing good stuff. And um, yeah, whether that's on Discord, whether that's on GitHub, Twitter, just uh, get the thanks out there and recognize and be recognized uh, for what you're up to. Um, so I'm going to start off with a hug to everybody who's helping others on Discord, uh, whether you're recognized for your work with a role or not. Um, helping each other is what we do. and. We make great projects and we we get done the stuff um and finally a group hug and well wishes for 2021 like so many people i just can't wait to have this year behind me uh with the the belief that something better is coming for next year uh i'll pass it to katney next and then i have notes from kevin thomas see i'm always waiting to uh be way later in the list Mm. All right. Well, you're up. <laughs> I know. Caught me off guard. So first of all, um, huge hug report to ask Patrick W. for looking into uh, CircUp, which is a CircuitPython library updater, not deploying to PyPI, um, and then adding a PR to automate the semantic versioning, um, which weirdly was manual um, on that particular app. So that's been fixed. And then uh, testing whether the update worked. Um, <clears throat> I already highlighted uh, these two, but I will highlight again because it's important uh, to Foamy Guy and S Lite um, for sticking with the longest running uh, library uh, PR 
um, that we have going. Uh, they, they're both, uh, Foamy Guy's been testing and S-Lite is the original author and they've both been uh, still slogging through um, getting that going. So that's, uh, that's been great. Um, and uh, Anecdata and Ask Patrick W. Hugreport for joining the CircuitPython Librarians review team. Um, the more reviewers we have, the more authors we could support. Um, these are reviewers of pull requests on GitHub. Um, if you're interested in reviewing, uh, please let us know. And uh, you can start off just by leaving comments on pull requests um, and letting us know that you took a look at it. And once you are a little com more comfortable with it, we can add you to um, we can add you to the review team. Uh, but we are always looking for more folks. Um, so I wanted to highlight those two for joining. And uh, finally, a group hug and uh, wishing everyone uh, that you have a wonderful rest of the year and into the new year. Thank you, Katni. And uh, yeah, Jerry, the out of order is probably my fault. So that kind of, um, well, led to a, to a whole series of events, but I'll do you in the document order and continue with the notes from Kevin Thomas, who is uh, sending us group hugs. Um, Maker Melissa is up next, and then I have more notes to read out. Still there, Melissa? Am I up next or now? He's... You're you're up now. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I want to give a, a group a hug to Fumby Guy for testing out my display text wrapping fix PR and um, a group hug to everyone else. All right. Thank you. Um, so I have some notes to read first, and then we will head to the top of the list for Brent. Uh, first, I have notes from Mark who writes a hug report to Jeff E. for catching and fixing my first core bug. I don't think it's fixed yet. Um, and a group hug and best wishes to everyone. Oh, yeah, that bug is fixed. There's, there's just another aspect to the bug. Um, anyway, following up to that, notes from Microdev, who sends a group hug to the community, and a hug to Dan H. for all of the alarm and sleep conversations. All right, and then notes from Mr. Certainly, who is text only, so we don't get to hear his delicious voice today. Uh, group hug for all the dedication, hard work, and kindness throughout this very challenging year. Thank you to all the helpers, even if you don't have a colorful tag on your name. You folks go a step above and beyond to make this community a place that's truly amazing. You're the role models that so many look up to. Very well said. Thank you so much. Uh, and with that, we'll loop back to the top for Brent. And then after that, I have some more notes to read. To Dan and Scott for low power work and alarm work, um, higher effect and Tanute for native uh, Wi-Fi work and for sockets. Um, I've been using it more the last few weeks and it's really good. And I like the compatibility of CPython. Um, Maker Melissa for the web ESP tool. It's going to make loading Nina firmware easy because I have to do that soon. And I do not want to run ESP tool locally anymore. I'm done with that. Um, and to everybody who worked on maintained and helped with CircuitPython in 2020, um, I haven't been as active in this community as I usually am because I'm working on other things and I have grad school. And it's really nice to like jump in and everything just works. And I understand how much of an undertaking it is for me to just download a piece of software and it works on my hardware. So thanks to everybody. 
Thank you, Brent. Um, so I have notes from Charles, and then we'll go to Dan. Charles writes, group hug and happy holidays to all. Enjoyed listening to the meetings throughout the year. Uh, after Dan, I have some more notes to read, but go ahead, Dan. Hi. Okay. So I'd like to thank Foamy Guy, who's been fixing several libraries. Thanks very much, very quickly, uh, when it was suggested that they be fixed. Um, thanks to Scott for the initial work on Pin Alarm, and he started to debug it on his um, live stream uh, last Thursday, and um, that was very helpful. I like brought that debugging further along, and um, it was it was helpful to save a lot of time in that respect. And then thanks to MicroDev for a lot of discussions about sleep and alarms and a whole bunch of things. We've been working out the API uh, among us, three of us, including Scott, and that's really been very helpful. Okay. All right. Um, up next is Foamy Guy, but first I have notes from David Cloud, who has a hug report for Paint Your Dragon for the MagTag lists from Google Spreadsheets Learn Guide with special attention to not being US-centric. A hug report to Maker Melissa for the modular MagTag portal library and learn guide, uh, and asks the question, will the Pi portal and Matrix portal also be modularized? I think someday. And a second hug to Maker Melissa for the web serial ESP tool, and Katni for the Matrix portal learn guide. Uh, so next we'll go to Foamy Guy, uh, and after that is Harifat. Go ahead, uh, Foamy Guy. All right, thanks, Jeff. Uh, this week, I would like to give out a hug. Uh, thanks to um, GitHub user uh, Neil Terrell. Um, they updated the year progress uh, MagTag um, project that I had created. They uh, added some extra checks for the more rare uh, leap year rules. Um, so that's actually fixed up and working correctly now, thanks to them. Uh, thank you to Maker Melissa for working on the text wrapping uh, inside the label library. Um, thank you to you, Jeff, for uh, fixing um, an issue that was related to I2C uh, in the core, and specifically it showed itself on the LC709 battery gauge uh, breakout. Um, to Jerry N, thank you for fixing uh, the keyboard featherwing helper class to make it work with uh, unexpected maker feather, um, and also for other feathers, uh, any other feathers that have different pinouts. Um, to uh, Carter, thank you for inspiration on a really nice looking uh, frame. It was a you know relatively small touch, but I thought it uh, really looked um, really nice on the mag tag. So um, thank you there. And then uh, lastly, just uh, you know a group hug to everyone. Obviously, a uh, pretty trying year, but um, was kind of the first sort of full time year that I um, hung around this project, and I uh, you know really can't say enough about how great the the friendships and the community and everything uh, have been. So it was. A uh, great year in in that respect, um, and so thank you, uh, everybody, for helping make it so. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Uh, we'll go to Higher Effect now, and after that, Jerry, out of alphabetical order. We'll wrap it up. Hi. Um, so thanks this week uh, to Scott for having some socket discussions and helping to uh, keep that on track. Um, and then uh, uh, thank you that I just added to Joey uh, for making such cool stuff all the time. Uh, I'm really excited about that uh, ESP32 Featherwing, and I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. He's been empowering a lot of my projects, so that's always cool to see new stuff from him. Um, and then uh, a group hug and happy holidays to everyone else. All right. Over to you, Jerry. 
Hey, thanks. Um, yeah, so thanks to Foamy Guy for his help with uh, the, the changes I made to the keyboard feathering library and for getting it you know, um, merged and released quickly. And uh, and to Arturo182 for uh, the really nifty uh, keyboard featherwing, um, fun, fun new toy. And uh, Dan, congratulations on getting the sleep guide out. And uh, and for everybody who's who's involved in all the, the sleep and alarm work, uh, looking forward to playing with that. And a group hug to everybody. And yeah, Happy New Year. Thank you, Jerry. And with that, we are ready to move to the second round robin section. Status updates. Uh, once again, well, first I'll verify whether I'm before or after Jerry this time. Looks like I'm before. All right. Um, let us know what you've been working on in the last week or since we had a chance to chat, and let us know what you'll be up to uh, before we have a time to chat again. So if you can predict two weeks of your life, go ahead and do it. If you can predict one day, go ahead and do that. And if you have any other things that you want to share, like I'm going to talk about Pi, um, please let us know. Uh, maybe something that would just brighten our day. Um, anyway, so in the last week, uh, I finished a guide. It had hardly any Python inside, but it was a fun Raspberry Pi project. I worked on some I2C stuff that turned out to be related to the Adafruit bus device being moved into the core code. Um, and I identified some other I2C issues, but haven't worked on them yet. Some are related to ESP32-S2, and there's also a second problem with Adafruit bus device in the core. This morning, I responded to guide feedback, and over the weekend, I had continued progress, but not a conclusion on a Python font converter from BDF to PCF format. Um, this and next week will be short weeks due to the holidays. I'm looking for a quick project to bring to show and tell this Wednesday, and I am continuing to look at the I2C uh, problems, which we're tracking on GitHub. And for fun stuff, I followed a 17th century recipe to make something called pumpkin pie. They did not spell it with a K yet, um, but it was a very tasty, very non-traditional pumpkin pie. And if you are into making food, or if you're into the history of food, check out this guy's YouTube channel. He's kind of fun. And with that, I will pass it on to Jerry. And after Jerry is Katni, more like the natural order of things. <laughs> Pie sounds great. Um, yeah, so let's see. Finally got back a little bit into doing stuff and um, made a, a, I got a keyboard featherwing this last week, finally got here from, from Sweden and uh, was looking forward to playing with it. And I realized oh, it'd be nice to have something that had, a, had Wi-Fi on it. And, and they don't, it's, there's some pin and, you know, there's conflicts with pins to try and put an airlift on it. So then, oh, gee, I'll use a, 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 a unexpected maker Feather S2. Well, it just turns out that the pin mappings are all different for the S2 board. So it took a little fiddling to, and some changes to library to make it so that it could accept all the uh, all the pins as, as input arguments. But it finally worked. And uh, that's um, be a next project to, to do some more work on and playing with it. Um, and otherwise, just been trying to catch up with what's happened in the last couple of months that I've been really sidetracked uh, with work. Um, and so, been so much going on. Looking forward to getting back into into more Circuit Python activity now. That hopefully that other project is winding down. And um, yeah, and there's one of the things that's come up is there's been a bunch of open issues on the RFM9x library that I've been meaning to look into implementing and testing out. So that's on my goal for the next next week or two. 
That's about it. All right. Catney's uh, up now, and then I have some notes to read. All right. So last week, I added QtPy to the CircuitPython Essentials Guide, uh, which involved testing everything uh, in the Essentials Guide um, and updating anything that came up in the process. I found a bug in storage.remount uh, in that process. Um, no longer works in 6.1. Um, so I, that's, and that was actually filed before I filed it. Um, didn't occur to me to check the bugs. So for future reference, when you're filing an issue, check to make sure somebody else hasn't already filed the same issue. Um, and then looked into an LED bug on ESP32-S2 uh, and filed an issue for that. It's um, it's a strange thing. Like I have code that reproduces it, but it's kind of complicated code. Um, and basically, if you have a strip of LEDs and you're writing stuff, you're writing LED data to the strip, the strip will like the end of the strip will flash weird colors, um, which apparently, uh, after discussing it with uh, Higher Effects, if it was white all the time, that would make sense. It's not white all the time. That's weird. So it should be, I guess, an interesting bug to look into. Um, and Higher Effect is taking over that. Uh, so today, um, I'm adding warnings to all the MagTag guides regarding updating CircuitPython and the libraries to go with it. Um, basically, uh, there was a major refactor of the MagTag library, and uh, it involves updated versions of libraries and also updated... Um, like extra libraries and we've had two, three folks a day running into issues with MagTag examples not working. And it's because either CircuitPython or the libraries have not been updated. So we're putting a big, huge warning with links in it on all of the MagTag guides. And hopefully that alleviates some of the um, support stress that has cropped up uh, with the refactor. Um, and then uh, on my list to do, but is already to done, um, was to get CircUp. Uh, deploying properly to PyPI. Um, it, for whatever reason, I, I don't have an answer to this question, and the person who would have the answer is not currently around. Um, the semantic versioning on it was all manual, so you had to update in two places um, the version number every time you updated the library, or it wouldn't deploy properly to PyPI. Um, so the other thing was, is it still had local secrets uh, when we have switched everything to global um, for PyPI. So I removed the local ones. Uh, so that part at least was fine. Um, but Ask Patrick W had already put in a PR that automated the semantic versioning um, like we do on all the libraries and uh, was hesitant with that because uh, they couldn't prove that it worked locally and I don't have an answer of how to prove that locally either. So I figured we'd just merge it and revert it if we needed to. Um, so I merged that and then uh, they tested it and everything works successfully except for one thing, which is a bug. And they are going to um, fix that tonight. Unrelated to deploying to PyPI, it's that uh, dash dash version doesn't work. Um, so that's actually done, um, which is excellent. And um, that way, when we get bug fixes into CircUp, we don't have to remember to update the version numbers. Um, and other than that, uh, I'm out for the rest of the week. 
um, and then until next Tuesday. And uh, the only thing that I've got going on is updating the MagTag um, guides to have the warning. And once that's done, I'm done for today. And I actually don't have any idea what I'll be working on next week. So I can't predict that, um, even if I wanted to. But hope everyone has a wonderful holiday or time off or has a wonderful end of their year, depending on what your deal is. Um, and uh, we will um, chat again next year. That's what I got. All right. Detailed as always. Um, let's see. Next, I have some notes to read from Kevin Thomas. And after that, we'll go to Maker Melissa. Uh, Kevin Thomas has worked with David Whale to create IoT and ML apps for the Microbit V2 with the BitIO module as a CPython bridge and is hoping to work on some additional CircuitPython apps this week. Um, after Maker Melissa, I have notes from several more people. Go ahead, Melissa. Hello. So last week, I finished up creating the MagTag Projects Guide. I um, fixed an issue with uh, PyRotation, which really happened to just be updating a guide uh, the guide settings due to a previously fixed bug. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no problem. Uh, I created a PR to fix an issue with wrapping certain types of text in display text, and uh, Foamy Guy's been reviewing that. I removed some useless code from the Bitbang.io library because it was added during development and apparently not used. Um, I tested out uh, some Blinka NeoPixel. Uh, Blinka NeoPixels PR and came up with a slightly better solution and um, I have to take a look into that and see if that person updated that. Um, and I'm gonna I'm working on port or I worked on porting the matrix portal over to portal base but I'm running into some network related issues such as with the due to the updated request in ESP32 spy code so still working that out. Uh, this week is a short week for me, and I mean, because of Christmas, and I'm going to be off next week, and I'm going to uh, finish up working on the Matrix portal, um, porting over to the portal base. I'm, I'm going to test out some reported slowness with the VL6180X with uh, I want to test out a uh, reported touch issue with Raspberry Pi displays. And um, if there's time, I'll work on some blink issues. That's it. All right. Um, I think Brent is the next person who is up when we go back to the top of the alphabet. But first, I have notes from MicroDev, who uh, reports that they worked on the touch alarm implementation and are trying to debug the wake alarm crash. And notes from Mr. Certainly, uh, who is in the process of getting a power profiler to gain experience with low power consumption. And as predicted, Anic data is lurking, so I will hand it to Brent and then Dan. This is going to be more of like the last two weeks because I haven't been here. Um, I finished out my semester. I started up working on uh, updating mini MQTT to CircuitPython 6. I got installed on um, an issue sockets that uh, HireFX looking at right now. Um, once that's over, I think I should be able to push it to the finish line. Um, I need to look at ESP32 SPY and Ethernet implementations because I think 
I wrote the socket stuff differently in them. And then I want to release it because I don't want to do it anymore. And I want people to use it. And I've been doing continued work on Whippersnapper firmware for Adafruit IO, which looks like it'll probably be out uh, in the beginning of Q1 next year, which is nice. Um, look back at like my wish list because we talked about that a few meetings ago and earlier to this meeting. And a lot of the stuff that people wanted for CircuitPython in 2020, I noticed has already been covered by this like entire year. A lot of the uh, deep sleep stuff and a lot of the low power stuff and compatibility of CPython, it's all been added, which is really awesome. I also shoveled for the first time in a while and I was annoyed, but like the snow's nice to look at, so that's okay. And I got a dev kit from this new company called Blues and it's interesting. It's like a $45 one purchase you can use cellular data forever. So I'll see if it's interesting or not. Um, I want to do a CircuitPython wrapper for it because it has Feather compatibility. Sounds pretty cool. Um, I think cellular will be one of those next frontiers once we've got all of the protocols that work within our house. Uh, anyway, without getting too far yeah. off topic, uh, I'll hand it to Dan and then I'll read some notes from people who are uh, just listening in. Okay, so I finished the um, initial version of the sleep learn guide about sleep. It doesn't have pin alarms in it because they're not in yet, but there's a lot of uh, there's detail in there about how to use the time alarms and also some um, power consumption graphs, which are kind of interesting. Uh, I had to put in some videos to demonstrate the things and I actually spent more time working on video editing in Linux than uh, actually writing the text because I have to relearn. I only do video editing every year or two and I have to relearn stuff and I have to keep choosing the best editor, which in Linux is not an easy task. Um, there's a next thing is that um, there's a bug that frequency IO doesn't work in 600. That's really, it's really strange that it doesn't work. It's, we haven't really changed much of the code, but I uh, duplicated, I replicated the bug and I started to look at it. I may actually uh, defer that to work on some other higher priority things first. Um, Scott was looking at assembler output for a crash in his pin alarm PR in his live stream last week. And um, I, he, he, he left the stream without, or he finished the stream without finishing that. I looked in more detail at the assembler output. I don't see anything wrong with it. So I think our problem is somewhere else. It was a very strange bug where if you added a print statement, it started working and that made it seem like it might have something to do with the code in that routine, but it doesn't actually seem to be true. Uh, I've been fixing a bunch of other six, 600 bugs uh, that should go into the next beta, including several, a BLE regression and several minor BLE bugs that have been outstanding for a while and I'll continue to do more bug hunting in the near future. I did a bunch of PR reviews and the, the next bug I'll probably be looking at is um, a bug that uh, where storage.remount doesn't work anymore in 600 uh, from boot.py. It's probably just some uh, USB status thing that were, has changed. So I'll be looking at that first because several people have encountered that. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Um, David, I'll give you a chance to try your mic. Uh, let's yeah. see how that goes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So I've been putting UF2 bootloader on my white 
MacTag. I didn't knew there were white and black MacTag. And I did that with the web stuff from uh, Maker Melissa. So that was great, risky even great. Um, I wrote a bootloader for the MacTag. So basically, when you turn on the MacTag, you keep one of the buttons pressed, and each button is attached to one program. And so you can choose which of the learn guides you want to run today. And it saves that information into NVRAM or um, SleepRAM so that when you reboot, it redo the same selection. So, and yeah, that got some traction on Twitter. And I started to make a list of all of the MacTag learn guides and if they use sleep, if they use the button, um, if they are optimized for space, like the other image as small as possible, because the idea is to be able to put four or five or maybe more uh, guide on your MacTag so that you can use that bootloader stuff. So to make that possible, I need to avoid having a multiple guide that use code.py or that use the same name for their bitmap or stuff like that. So um, I try to see if something can be done to make all the guides look the same and small, small as possible, like using binary font. And I've put that into the, in the weed if uh, you want to discuss that. All right, thank you. Uh, with that, we will continue to Fomigai and then Hierofact. All right, thanks, Jeff. Uh, and I'm glad for the timing here as well. So I will first mention a, a belated hug report. Uh, I saw the thing that David was just talking about. He linked that over the weekend. I think that's a really, really cool idea to be able to um, launch different projects based on holding a button down during uh, boot up. So uh, huge thanks to David for sharing that. Uh, again, I think that's really cool. Um, for my status updates uh, for last week, um, I uh, did a, a small fix in the slideshow library. I had recently added the ability to use text slides in that library, uh, but it was relying on the JSON module. Uh, and I forgot that there are some devices that don't have uh, JSON built in, so it caused it to crash on those. Um, so we got graceful handling in place for that. Um, tested out a fix uh, that was mentioned earlier on the keyboard Featherwing. Um, I've been testing out different versions of the text uh, wrapping helper that Maker Melissa is working on. Um, over this past weekend, I created a, a reusable uh, display.io widget for uh, a frame, a rounded rectangle frame with a little text uh, on the top center of it. Um, and I uh, actually used a cookie cutter and created a, a full project repo and everything and added that to the community bundle as well. I'll drop a link here in the chat. Um, for next week, or really what I put is for my time off, I got a couple weeks off work here, so um, I'll have some more time to play with CircuitPython stuff. The things I intend to do, um, integrating the, that new frame widget uh, into my MagTag weather display. Um, so that was kind of the first place I wanted to use that frame. Um, I would like to uh, make some other attempts at getting the stubs packaged. Um, so I know there's there's a way to create stubs in the CircuitPython library, um, and we've figured out how to get them loaded into PyCharm to work, uh, but not how to package them so that um, they will work after you install them with pip. Uh, so I'm going to try some more um, tries at that and hope for the best that I get the right uh, mystical whatever it needs to work. Um, speaking of uh, cookie cutter and projects and things, something I've been kind of meaning to do for a while, uh, and truthfully, the the frame widget was a bit of a dry run for this. Is uh, I'm intending to go through and uh, use Cookie Cutter to create a proper 
project repo for my display layouts library. Uh, I have it shared on GitHub, but it's just in a, a regular repo without all the rest of the meta files and all of that stuff. Uh, so I'm going to get all that actually put together and then uh, share that one in the community bundle as well, potentially. And then uh, lastly, the other thing I want to try to do for sure over the break is uh, work on a Pi Portal trivia game um, and probably a few others, but I know that's the, the top one on the list. So a little touch screen, it'll give you the four choices. You kind of click on which one you think, and then it'll tell you if you're correct or not. Uh, it'll keep track of score and stuff like that. So, um, yep, that's what I got on my list. Uh, back to you, Jeff. All right. Well, we are ready for Hire Effect to wrap up status updates. Alrighty. Um, yeah, so this past week, uh, I've been working on USB 32S2 sockets. Uh, I implemented uh, bind, listen, and accept. Uh, those are in a PR that's up on the list uh, right now. Um, that enables you to do uh, servers on the USB 32S2. So you can now bind to a remote socket or bind to a, a local address um, and uh, accept new connections uh, and do uh, server sending and receiving. Uh, I have, that took a little bit of um, reworking on the internals uh, because uh, we kind of have a difference between whether a, uh, a specific socket is using TLS, um, uh, as in uh, a, the secure sockets layer um, encrypted communication or not. Uh, they actually use very different libraries under the, or def very different APIs under the hood. Basically, the TLS sockets are using um, embed uh, TLS, which is a whole different thing than the LWIP usual socket functions that we use. So there's a little bit of new logic in there uh, so that um, you can use either TLS or not TLS um, for the sockets and have all the send and receive functions uh, still work. So that's kind of still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, it especially needs a lot of new errors added to line up kind of error behavior with uh, CPython. So um, I'm working with that this week, and, and uh, hopefully I'm going to solve um, Brent's current issue uh, as a part of that project. Um, we got absolutely buried out here in Western Mass, so I also shoveled my house out of 18 inches of snow and had a uh, fun uh, snow fort building competition with one of my younger cousins. Um, so we built a huge um, uh, tunneled snow fort outside, so that was fun. Um, this week, I'm going to be working more on uh, socket, timeout, errors, all sorts of other things with socket. Um, I'm going to be uh, checking out the NeoPixel issue, again, that Katni has been running into. Um, and uh, I'm going to be working on my own language flashcard guide for the MagTech, which will add some um, Japanese learning flashcards uh, in sort of an Anki uh, space repetition software kind of way. Um, and then also doing, hopefully, some Christmassy cooking. I'm um, going to try and make some lockies this week. It's going to be a good time. And, uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. Happy New Year to everybody. I've never heard of lockies as a Christmas food, but they're well, tasty They're not, they're not Christmas, holiday, holiday, holiday. Mm, all right. Uh, holiday food. I, I'm, I'm mixing it all up here. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have all any right. particular well, No worries so from me. They're I just delicious. feel from everybody. <laughs> all right well with that we are ready for the final section called in the weeds um this is a time for longer form discussion of anything and everything circuit python related we've currently got one topic from david cloud so uh david i will pass this back to you to introduce your topic 
So yeah, it's a bit of a repetition because yeah, I was good at introduce that. So I made um, I tested a lot of MacTag guides, and I make a kind of an Excel sheet in Google um, where I try to identify uh, what they do and how they do it for the different guide. And I was looking at um, reducing the size so that I can put as many projects as I want on the MacTag without running out of uh, Flash. And so um, some of the projects are using bitmap, which are a bit bigger, like uh, they use 24-bit or 256 colors. I don't blame anybody because I've never been able to do the proper image and I don't have the right workflow right now. But um, okay, some of those images could be compressed. And if I, if I find a way to do it, maybe I can do that as PR because it doesn't change the code, it doesn't change the long guide. Uh, a few of the projects use the binary font, which are maybe also great. Um, I know somebody's working on something to convert that would be great if uh, all fonts were binary. Um, even better if all projects that use the same font use the same file, assuming that uh, this project didn't do a, an optimization to only use the character that, that are needed. Um, there were some discussion with Lady there on why each project is bringing its own font files and the same files are all over the place on the GitHub for the learn guide. But um, if you want to put multiple projects, you may want to reuse those files uh, in, an, in an easy way. Um, one problem I had is that a lot of projects have a code.py um, name and and then, yeah, of course, you can only have one file with that name, and I already use it for that bootloader. It's not really a bootloader, but okay. Um, and then, other thing I've noticed is some people use um, everything in the root, and some people use the font and the um, BMP's directory. So maybe if the same trick was used everywhere, but I don't think there are going to be any reuse for the bitmap, but at least for the fonts. And this can be useful. For the bitmaps, of course, if you use background.bmp and somebody else decide to call it background because that makes sense, then of course you will clash on the file name. So, so I was checking all kinds of um, things that could be done better. Um, but also, it's, it's also a lot of work for whoever made those stuff, or it's a PR that somebody else needs to do. So. Yeah, I mean, this is up to discussion and I'm gonna do it for myself when I need, so that's no big issue. Um, and then, then I had some, maybe some question, open question, because I don't have the answer really. Um, I've read some long guide about BMP image, which are early compressed, so one line, one length encode, um, but it's not supported by the on disk bitmap something, but it's supported with another library. So I was wondering if that would be possible and make sense to work in the MacTag library so that could make the file even smaller. Um, and also I've been working on the year progress file um, that was refreshing twice. 
So it was refreshing the first time saying uh, this is the year in progress, and then the second time when the value was fetched from the internet or the time was fetched from the internet. And the same thing was happening with uh, SpaceX. And that one I didn't submit up here. So well, I believe a single refresh would be best because it's flashing less. Uh, so I was wondering what's the best practice for that. And that's it. Hey, David? Yes? I ju it just occurred to me to avoid the avoid file conflict, why not have your, you have uh, a uh, directory structure that looks like this. You have uh, the name of the uh, name of the project uh, as the as the first level, the second, and then at the second level you have bit bitmaps and uh, bitmaps and and uh, and fonts. fonts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Under so that. Um, so and that so avoids the template, and then you could you could have. You could still have your code, code.py and eat it, as I say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've, I've been working with that for, I made a, a small demo where you code.py is going to read your SD card and use everything from the SD card so that you can put your project on an SD card and plug it in like you would do with a cartridge on a, on a Game Boy. Um, so it's possible to specify where the lib should be searched and maybe trick the import to go and get the code.py from another folder. So yes, it's, it's possible to do that and you can then use the code.py. Um, one thing is that I may want the fonts to be reused. So you want to have all the fonts put together at one place and not in a subfolder for per project. Um, and there is, there is something which is also a good practice question. When you import fonts or bitmap, you can say slash fonts slash the name of the font, or you can do fonts slash the name of the font. So do you want to start from the root or do you want to start from the current directory or whatever that is? Um, yeah. And some projects are doing it one way and some projects are doing it the other way. It doesn't matter because currently it's the same place. But if uh, if I want to do that with folder, then yeah, we also need to agree on that, I guess. Yeah, you have to agree on one way to do it so it's less confusing. Yeah. Okay, good luck. I hope you've uh, come to a consensus on that. I personally like the folder idea, but that that works. I mean, um, it should well. It should work. I didn't try. Um, yeah, I can give it a try. It's, it's it's also easy because you unzip the guides into the root of your of your flash. Um, because on the long guide, you can download the zip of the project. So if the zip of the project is directly usable and you unzip that somewhere, then that's that's great. Yeah, that way it does. That way you just pick up the guide, zip it up, 
transported to to your to the uh, to the uh, computer you're going to use to uh, put it on to the whatever device, and then yeah, and and maybe it's I mean, maybe anybody it's a little. Tried, has anybody tried to unzip something? Like a code dot pi onto onto a uh, device directly should work. Yeah, logically it should, but I haven't tried it. I ju- I think I'm going to try that maybe tonight or tomorrow, and in the new year I'll report back. See, I'll 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 you know if I do if I find it doesn't work, then I'll stick in uh, create an issue or something. I'll find that, figure out where to put it. Um, but maybe, I mean, one, one question is, um, how do you see a learn guide? I mean, is, is a learn guide like a product, an app that you're going to install on your um, Mac tag? Or a learn guide is something you to learn and a guide, and it shows you something, but at the end of the day, you're going to modify because you want to customize for your personal usage. Yeah, you... think about this. Think about this. Usually, they most most guides have a page called the uh, examples or code, and that's where the co- that's where usually the examples in, of code falls, not anywhere else in the guide. You know when it when it's a particular board that you're talking about. But if you're doing a, a a random project, you know, and you want to create a learn guide for it, I don't know whether that consistency is there. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm not sure, but uh... I know and... that when I look at the board, when I look at the examples for the boards, right? Which is yeah, really okay, where yeah. I pick up code to modify. It's usually on a page called either code or examples. And I mean, one thing about those guides is that they, they've, they've evolved uh, because um, they were all, not all right and at the same time. So oh, yeah. some of them, the sleep was already there, some of them, the sleep was added later. Some of them, the compress, the, the binary font was were not there yet. So, I mean, it, it's. Um, but when you look at all the guides simultaneously, because you try them all, like a lot of people might do very soon. Um, yeah. So then, then suddenly you see the difference and the, the thing that that. Okay, I mean, and and also maybe I'm maniac or I don't know. <laughs> well, also, also, uh, it just occurred to me. I think, isn't there a a community or some kind of a bundle of examples, or or am I or am I thinking of someplace else? I thought that I thought that somewhere you could get a bundle of all the examples for the. Uh, The libraries in the CircuitPython bundle, those each have examples with them. And those may or may not be related to a particular learn guide. Yeah, okay. But um, 
Oh, I know what it was. The the uh, I was thinking of, I was thinking of the Arduino IDE where the where it automatically when you install a library, it automatically installs a bunch of examples. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay, I had the wrong uh, wrong. Uh, I wasn't thinking of Circuit Python particularly. That's what what happened because. I like the way the when you insert a library into uh, into uh, from that into into the Arduino IDE, it automatically gives you usually gives you a whole bunch of examples of how to do various things with the library. And I wish we could do that, but I think we've done that pretty much with the board the boards, but you know, pro different projects that actually use the libraries. It seems, I think Dave's right, it is a little helter-skelter. So, yeah, I mean, the project by which um, guides are created for a particular board, it's very organic, and there are a lot of people who are contributing to it. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. these these possibilities, I don't know if anybody has ever considered, well, what about putting more than one uh, on the CircuitPy drive at a time? Um, it's not until, you know, we decided, we, it's not until we would potentially decide that that is important, that these things like, how do you name the files, or do you refer to fonts or slash fonts, um, become important. And there's obviously a cost to, um, harmonizing all these things above and beyond what it takes to just uh, get the guide published and in the learn system. So um, I'm not sure how to balance that cost and I'm not, I wouldn't be the one who would make a decision like that. Uh, the more technical question about uh, RLE compressed image support, I can speak to a little bit. Um, with the uncompressed bitmap, we can do that quote on disk because suppose that you need the pixel at X coordinate 32 and Y coordinate 14, we know exactly what byte or bytes to read from the file uh, to get that. When an image is RLE compressed, you don't have that information because each line takes a varying number of bytes. That's the whole point of compression. And so it doesn't work with on-disk bitmap. What I don't know is the difficulty in MagTag library of deciding, of detecting whether a bitmap is of this kind that you need to use the other bitmap reader library, whose name I don't know offhand, versus using Display.io on disk bitmap. But that's the reason for this technical limitation where on disk bitmap uh, can only take RLE compressed images. And uh, as for refreshing, I think. Um, the gold standard is only refreshing when you need to. However, writing your code with auto refresh equals false is longer um, and is somewhat more problem prone in my experience. And so to create simpler guides or um, guides that are easier to use as an example for someone who is just learning, it is often easier to leave it in the simple way, even if that makes it uh, take longer before the display is totally refreshed or if it's not the 
the very best way of writing it because it is it's a shorter example and that makes it better for learners. Uh, but those are all just my well, except for the thing about hourly images, those are really just my opinions um, about why things might be the way they are. I, I think I tested the early stuff, and you, with that library, you can read from this, put that into memory, the mm. image into mem memory, then, then, then you can use it. And it's actually the only way to have transparency, I think. And at one point, I was trying on the Mac tag to have a transparent layer on top of whatever else I was drawing. And then, well, I failed completely because my image was not good and I was not picking the right color. But um, so, so it's possible to do, but it's not in the, the Mac tag library because on the Mac tag library, well, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. And so, that's, so it's possible to use it already. That's um, a good one way point. or another that you can go beyond the MagTag library and use these other display-related libraries with it. Um, and yes, in theory, a an on-disk bitmap can be assigned a transparent pixel until recently there was a bug with it that could have been affecting you, but also you have to know the exact color number and all of the transparent pixels have to be exactly that color number. Yeah, that... And that was always that was always the problem with uh, transparency in general is how do you select the how do you select the uh, color because usually what what I know on a trans in gifs with and uh, pngs with transparency there was always a uh, there was a uh, a, a uh, tick mark in the uh, there was a way that you marked the color, the uh, color in the palette that was the transparency, transparency, either that or no. They re what they did is they rearranged the palette so that the first color was always the transparency color because you could only in PNG and, and, uh, and GIF, you could only have one transparency color. Yeah, but, yeah, we were not talking about alpha, like having an alpha not bar an alpha, for telling not an alpha chan channel. Yeah, alpha channel was it was it was the an idea for having multiple transparent colors. Yeah, you don't you don't in a GIF or a PNG you don't even use it. You just know yeah. the first the first entry in the uh, in the uh, color palette was always the transparent color if you were so using on, on the bmp you don't have transparency at all yeah and, uh, there is a trick to 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 say that the palette that you use in circuit python you say that color is the transparent one and that's okay and easy for the mac tag because you only use four colors yeah. and the bitmap you use a four bit uh, 16 color palette. So you've got 12 color to choose from to 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 make something transparent. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. that that's easy. Uh, I just need to find a good editor that works for me because I've I've failed various way in creating bitmaps for the Mac tag. Um, so yeah, it's a little it's it. a little uh, with existing uh, image editors. It's a little hard to get them to work with only a four color 
palette. They're used to, uh, it's usually t uh, 16, 256, or 8. <laughs> and that's, that's well beyond what you need for, uh, you don't need 8 eight palette buckets in the in the image <laughs> not for a mag tag anyway so i mean okay so so i mean that that's just that that file explain what i've seen it's not complete i've not done all of the guides by the way one of the colon is to say if it's us centric or not um yeah it's not against anybody just those examples i'm not going to use them so I wanted to know if it they were useful for me or not. Um, and yeah, maybe for simple stuff, I can do a PR. Um, but I don't want to change somebody else's guide in the direction that they maybe don't want. So um, yeah, that, that was that's why I want to have a discussion on, on this. Yeah, project guides are a whole other whole other world from board guides. All right. Uh, does anybody else have something that they would like to add? All right. If not, thank you, everybody, for participating. And um, this wraps up the CircuitPython meeting for December 21st, 2020. Thank you to everyone who participated. If you want to support Adafruit and CircuitPython, and those of us who work on CircuitPython, please consider purchasing please consider purchasing from the Adafruit store at adafruit.com. The video of this meeting will be released on YouTube at youtube.com adafruit, and the podcast will be available on major podcast services. It will also be featured in the next Python on for Microcontrollers newsletter. Visit adafruitdaily.com to subscribe. Our next meeting is on the first Monday in January, uh, which is January 4th. We're skipping a week due to Christmas and New Year's. If you aren't on Discord yet, visit adafru.it slash Discord to join. To participate in the meeting, ask one of us to add you to the CircuitPythonista's role on Discord. We hope to see you again soon, and Happy New Year's, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks. Have a happy holiday, whatever you celebrate. <laughs>